What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of MLS Now Podcast. I am your host, David. Appreciate you guys tuning in, doing a segment on bringing in guests of different podcasts, uh, fans, anything, honestly, to keep you guys updated with what's going on with the clubs and MLS, what's going on with MLS in general. And today's guest is Julio. Julio has a Miami-based podcast, Super Miami fan. As you guys know, Miami, everyone's talking about Miami right now. But I'll let him introduce himself, um, where you guys can find that. Julio, welcome to MLS Now Podcast. Uh, great having you on. Thanks so much, David. I am uh, so excited to be a part of this show. I've been a listener for a long time. Uh, so to have the opportunity to come on and talk about my club is very exciting. Uh, I run the Heron Heads podcast, uh, available on all platforms, yada, yada. But yeah, super excited to be uh, on the show. Uh, thank you for having me and looking forward to to talking some uh, some Herons. Let's talk it. Let's get into it. I'd like to dive right into it. Now, the the number one thing on Miami's mind right now, right, it's last night's performance. Uh, you guys faced Atlanta United in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Um, over supposed to, They were supposed to be around 75,000. With Messi not going, I'm pretty sure it dropped a bit to around 68. Still sold-out crowd packed in that stadium. Miami did end up losing 2-5. Two, two to five. Or five two, as you want to put it. Talk to me about last night's performance. What was your thought? The first thing that came into my mind, I'll be honest with you, is this is the Miami that we know. Yeah. So you know, heading in, heading into the match, I thought there was no way Messi misses this match. Coming back from international break, he had missed the match against Bolivia. He attended mostly to to be like an emotional support for the team. He even missed his son's birthday uh, back home. So anyways, so he misses the Bolivia game. And I think there's no way he's missing the Atlanta match. He picked up allegedly like a slight knock in the previous game against Ecuador. And no one made a big deal about it. But anyways, ho-hum, we business as usual heading into the match week. And late Friday night, the news comes out that Messi did not travel with the team. So immediately the thought of us smashing Atlanta kind of goes out the window. Now, both teams have not the best defense, so I still thought it would be pretty high scoring. And honestly, the first 25 minutes of the game, heading into the Campana goal, this was perfect. This was perfect. Atlanta came out and, and had some dangerous chances, and all of a sudden, Campana gets on the end of a loose ball after a, a, the Arroyo long shot that comes off the crossbar, which was a fantastic shot, by the way. And, and he hits a worldie. You know, he takes three touches in the box, kind of eludes Miles Robinson, who was in front of him, and smashes it over Guzan. And I'm I'm going ballistic in my living room because I'm, I'm a huge Campana fan, by the way. So I, I was delighted that he scored on top of everything. And I thought, okay, now Atlanta has to has to come out after us. There's going to be more space, and there's going to be some opportunities for for us to to make some noise here without Messi, without Jordi Alba. This is a real opportunity. Right. So uh, the first 25 minutes, I'm, I'm very happy. Muyumba has a yellow card in the 30th minute. The broadcast is like, oh, that's kind of an orange card. I'm like, OK, maybe Atlanta is kind of losing their head a little bit. And then disaster, disaster. We get the, the goal from Muyumba against Calendar that was, you know, if you want to call it questionable, it was bouncing along the, the goal line. The assistant referee called it in. There's no goal line technology. So the, the goal stands. Uh, five minutes after, we get a Kamal Miller own goal disaster. You know, if 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 Miller didn't deflect the ball, it probably just kind of goes into the box and gets cleared. And then Brooks Lennon gets on the end of one just before halftime. 
before you know it, it's three to one and we're on life support. It went from everything's going really well in the 25th minute to the next 20 minutes. Awful, just catastrophic. And that that was shades of pre-Messi Inter Miami where we can't hold the ball. Our defense is just in shambles all the time on the back foot. That was that was very worrisome because it's not just Messi. Messi is obviously a huge acquisition, completely transforms the team. But we have a lot of new players. We have Facundo Farias, who, hot take, was the best Argentinian playing last night in Atlanta. We have Diego Gomez, who didn't play. He's carrying a knock. We have Toto Aviles, who played a good game last night. We have, obviously, Sergio Busquets and Jordi Alba. You know, so Messi is one major part of the picture, but this Inter-Miami team is completely different than the one that we saw for the first half of the season. So, yeah, I mean, listen, the, the rest of the game played out. Miami ended up falling apart, uh, having to chase it, having to be very spread out and wide open in defense. And it ended 5-2. It's disappointing, but honestly, we were going to lose eventually. Without Messi, without Jordi Alba, the team is completely different. We're not able to hold possession nearly as effectively. We had we had a catastrophic 10 minutes with two goals that I'm not going to say they're questionable. I'm not going to question the goal that was made on calendar that was called in. That's fine. Own goals happen. That's fine. Unlucky bounce, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, disappointing. But, hey, we already had an outside chance of making the playoffs. By no stretch do I think that we're not going to make the playoffs. And now we just move on to the next match against Toronto. Great bounce back opportunity. And I expect I expect the team to ball out. You did touch on a lot of great points there. I was looking over some of the numbers for Miami. I mean, against Sporting KC, against LAFC, Nashville, even Atlanta last night, uh, Miami has been able to keep the possession at 52%, 54%. So possession-wise, it's not, it's not a big problem, especially Tata. We know Tata loves having the ball, especially when Messi's around Alba. And Busquets, they they are players who are used to having possession. I mean, you watch you, you if you watch them play in Barcelona before, it was rare that Barcelona didn't keep the ball when Messi, Busquets, and Alba were 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 on the field together. Now looking looking at that, right? I, I will be honest; it caught me completely off guard that Alba didn't trouble. I think it caught everyone off guard. I knew we all knew Messi wasn't going, but Alba not showing up kind of did I mean did hit me a little bit. And that defense, without Alba, he's been a big part of it. Without Alba kind of struggled. Now, here's what I was thinking yesterday. And I know you said Facundo was the best Argentinian last night. I'm going to disagree with that. I'm going to disagree a bit with that. But I, I do have my notes on Facundo. Uh, for me, I think Almada was the best last night, um, the way he dribbles. But that, that's to discuss later on the podcast. Every time Alana scored, every time Alana had the ball, you knew something was coming. And I think you and I can agree on that. That defense needs help. That, and I know Avila came in, and you know he's he's learning the ropes in MLS, and he's he's young. He he came in with Facundo. He's part of the help, but more help is needed. Something about that defense. Um, I'm not sure if you agree with me. It's shaky. Every time there's a counterattack, every time the opposing team has the ball, you know that there's a strong possibility that they're gonna score. Just because of what we've seen in the past, and especially last night, one player, Alba, one player missing can make a huge difference. And it was shown last night. What is your take on the defense? I know a lot has been said. I know you heard a lot and you probably talked a lot about it as well. What's your take on the defense? Do you agree that it needs additional help and the depth they have is not working out? Yeah, 
I, I mean, definitely. If there's a weak point in this team, it's our defense. And to that end, I was very surprised that Tata, especially with Alba being out, I was shocked that Tata came out with four at the back formation. I was shocked that he didn't put three center backs back there to sort of alleviate some of the pressure. And right, because against LAOC, they started with five in the back. Correct, correct, and and that gives you some flexibility when you're when you're relying on the wingbacks to get up the pitch and help an attack. We saw so many times uh, Zande Silva running up the pitch at Kamal Miller because Noah Allen was you know three quarters up the pitch and having to track back on a bad turnover, and Kamal Miller was left on an island having to run back to cover two players, and by the 60th minute maybe the start of the second half he was gassed he was gassed and it led to a lot of boneheaded plays the one of the final goals were i mean miller basically passed the ball to atlanta and started like a four-on-one break so yeah just by jordi alba not being there the level drops off tremendously the depth is a huge issue especially in that position and i was again just shocked that tata did not go five at the back What's, what's your take on Wiley replacing Alba? It's just like we don't have anybody else that's better. <laughs> no <laughs> like, other option, just, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, w- I was surprised that we didn't go five at the back, in which case you still probably have to have Noah Allen at left back. And and Kristoff was available coming back from international duty who had a very good stretch with the Ukrainian national team. I was surprised we didn't just throw him back there at three in the back and, and let it ride and show a little bit more respect towards the Atlanta attack, which is very potent. I mean that that like clear as day. That's that's a known. It's known that Atlanta is very good in attack and very suspect on defense. So why kind of leave yourself so open in the point of your team that's the biggest weakness? When when the League's Cup started, obviously we we'll, we can talk a lot about Messi and how he, you know, obviously he just he 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 generates so many issues not just by himself, but the team's able to hold possession more. Teams have to play off a little bit more. Uh, you know, a litany of issues. But the defense, over the span of the League's Cup, and now as we've gotten back into league play, they have built some confidence in the fan base that, okay, they're getting it together a little bit. But even still, you could see kind of the cracks. Drake Callender has been in tremendous form, but he's had to make one, two goal-saving saves, like tremendous saves every match. Without those saves, and when you don't get those saves, you end up with a 5-2. to two, Right? If he somehow saves any of these goals, we're talking about a different a different story. And that's what he has been doing. So when he's not making a spectacular save, which is what had been required, you have a game that's completely different at the end of the day And when you look at the, the score sheet. No, going back a little bit, talking about the formation, looking at it, against Sporting KC, Tata did a 5-3-2, I believe. Sorry, against LAFC, my bad. 5-3-2, against Nashville, 4-3-3. Against eight uh, Atlanta last night, four three three. Against uh, Sporting KC, I believe it was four again in the back. He was reading them right, Tata. He was reading LAFC correctly. Five in the back against LAFC, of course. That's a that's a that's a no brainer. Against Nashville, you know you have Messi, you have Alba. Four in the backs, fine. Three in the three in the middle, three in the up top, right. But again, you know you're going against Atlanta with no Alba, no Messi. You gotta put five in the back, like you're saying. You have a uh, you have Alana who lately has been running, right? Uh, Almara has taken control. Mosquera has taken control. They in attack, like you mentioned, they are dangerous. They're gonna come at you. And one player that you mentioned, Murillo, 
it doesn't convince me. It hasn't convinced me in the f- since oof, a while now. Too many mistakes. He's. I'm not sure if he gets nervous in the back. He's almost like the um, Harry Maguire uh, MLS version when it comes to giving the ball away and making the mistakes on it. That defense just looks shaky playing from the back. But when you have a player like Alba, experience, I mean, trophy-wise, players he's played with, club-wise, he gives you that confidence. And as you mentioned, you have a, a goalkeeper that has been out, outside from Messi, your MVP, right? Sooner or later, the gates are going to open if you cannot stop the other team from from attacking. Now, defensive-wise, Depp as well has not been in there, and I know Atlanta's still building. I know Atlanta still you know, has a lot of players in mind. How do you feel of, of your, your bench, your depth? You think, I mean, experience-wise, I don't think you guys have it. I know there's a couple of young players that are coming up, and I'm glad Alba, Busquets, and Messi are there to guide them. But depth-wise needs to be um, looked into it as well. Would you agree? To a certain extent, yes. This is kind of a unique match in that it's off the back of the international break. We had Diego Gomez, who was finding some good form leading into the international break, but then picked up a, a groin injury, I believe it was. So he was unavailable. You had, you know, some of these players maybe limited or still dealing with fatigue issues. Every team's dealing with this, by the way, not exclusive to Miami. You know, you had Sergey Kristov, who is very serviceable and a, a veteran presence, to your point, which is few and far between in this inter-Miami lineup. Uh, but yeah, depth, depth is an issue in defense specifically. I think we have a lot of options from the midfield up into the attack. But when you look at the defense, there's not a lot of options outside of what you saw last night or against LAFC where you have five at the back. There's not a lot. Even when we play five at the back, you're putting Noah Allen at center back sometimes. That's not the answer. That's not the answer in my opinion. So yeah, depth and defense is something that will need to be addressed in the offseason. Obviously, there's nothing we can do about it from here on out through this season. But the defense has been the glaring weakness in Miami all season long. It did not change much uh, in heading into this end of this transfer period. The addition of Toto Aviles has helped. But to your point, he's still very young, still learning how to play in the MLS. You see once a match, he has a very... Uh, aggressive lunge into a player that leads to a dangerous opportunity more often than not. It led directly to the Pulido goal against Sporting Kansas City. And, you know, they're they're still learning. They're sort of learning how to play with each other. And every match for the last week and a half, two weeks, it's been a new uh, combination of midfield and defense. So, you know, it's hard to develop the chemistry that makes defenses like Nashville and Cincinnati and these top tier defenses, it makes them so sound when you're able to play the same lineup week in and week out. And Miami's still still working on that. And same goes for understanding the tactics that Tata's employing, you know. It's been now a month and a half, but every other match is a different formation or different style. When you don't have certain players like a Messi or an Alba, it changes sort of the the tactical the tactical development that Tata wants to employ. So yeah, the defense is our glaring weakness. I'm not going to shy away from that. And again, there's there's nothing we can do outside of having the players play more soundly in the system that Tata employs until the offseason. Now, in uh, the offseason will be very interesting, but we're, we're kind of far away from that. And um, it's something to keep an eye on. Going back into into the, the roster, right, uh, some of the players. By the way, one thing you're going to learn from me, I suck at pronouncing names. Everyone who's listened to me before knows... Um, one of the one of the players I got super frustrated on, and I think I even tweeted about him was Robinson when he came in. 
I'm not sure if last night he was terrified of crossing in the ball or what in the world was going on with him. But first of all, man, he did have a few good games when Messi joined, where he was partnering up with him fine, but he's dropped a bit. Yeah, Robbie Robinson is the type of player that you really want him to succeed, but he seems to get in his own way every other day. So Robbie Robinson, first overall pick, I believe during our expansion uh, season, and hopes were high, hopes have been high, and he just, I, I don't know what it is, I can't quite put my finger on it, because he has these moments where you're like, wow, he has some deft technical ability and then other times he just he does too much and he needs to just pass it off or take a shot or he he just gets in his own way and it's very frustrating because like i said you know young kid shows a lot of promise has good size good speed good technical ability but just can't quite put all the pieces together at once and yeah he 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 has been relegated to to bench service and he just he he can't put it all together in the same match and it's unfortunate because hopes were high when we drafted him, and and he's never quite uh, fulfilled those hopes. Now, one player that um, did call, get called up to the national team, the U.S. men national team, and I know, um, you know he can decide for Argentina as well. Is Benjamin, uh, 18 years old? He's been he's been one of the the, the two that I have in my notes here that have st- has stood out from the young players, but he did struggle last night as well, right? I mean, from what I saw, he wasn't the the Benjamin were. We're used to, and again, Robinson, Benjamin, uh, Benjamin, they are players who have kind of stood out playing next to Messi. And I know that team did did miss Messi last night. He did have the struggles last night. Yeah, another young kid, right? Playing in the biggest stadium that he's played in, in front of the biggest crowd that he's played in front of. Maybe the lights were too bright. He's also coming off the emotional high of having played for the U.S. men's national team for the first time in his career. And he was not playing with Messi, who alleviates so much of the pressure that the players around him have to deal with on a per-match basis, right? When you have Messi in the lineup and you are able to play off of him, it is a completely different animal than when you're not. When Messi's there, you are able to be so much more creative with your runs, with your interplay, everything and when he's not there you see benjamin kramaski having to try to develop those plays rather than being able to be the recipient of those plays when messi has the ball so yeah he struggled last night pretty much the whole team with the exception of leonardo campana struggled and and faku yeah he struggled i don't know if the lights were too bright i don't know if he was trying to play too fast but without a doubt without question a completely different team when messi's not on the pitch no um, I, I've sound very negative. Um, so far in the 20 minutes we've been recording, so let me go. Let me put some spotlights on some players, right? And that's Facundo. You mentioned him three or four times. I mentioned him once or twice. He he's he's a great player, man. He his uh his ability, his uh, vision, the way he controls the ball, the way he encounters players. Like he's not scared. Um, and again, that comes from playing in South America, right? In South America, it's aggressive soccer. It's fast-paced soccer or football, or however you want to call it. Um. And, and he's used to it, but Facundo has has been great. If he keeps it up, I honestly don't see him staying in the league much. Would you agree? He, yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah, as much as I want him to. And maybe that's right. another part of the Messi effect is is convincing someone to stay for longer than they otherwise would have because he gets to play with the greatest of all time. But he's been he's been fantastic. He's been fantastic. He, you could tell the moment he stepped on the pitch for Inter Miami 
that he gets it, right? He's not afraid to take on defenders. He's able to take on defenders with his skill. He megged someone out of their boots last night. I forget who it was, but he just completely sent him to another planet. And he's, yeah, like, oftentimes you see players come into the MLS and they have struggle or troubles dealing with the physicality of the MLS. They're not able to... They're, maybe they're not used to the fouls. Faku, if I'm not mistaken, comes from the Argentinian league. It, he's used he, to this. Yeah, you get in that Conmebol, Concacaf. Yeah. You get in any of those leagues, and you're you're kind of you have an understanding of the physicality that comes with it. One of the things that I love about Faku, um, and uh, comparing to uh, Moreno, um, ex ex Atlanta United player, um, Moreno was a player who was to replace PT, and he was supposed to be a player that encountered the team, uh, takes the ball, encourages the team to move forward. And one of the one of the things that Atlanta fans was frustrated with him was that as soon as he got the ball, he would just either play back or not be as fast paced as they wanted him to be moving forward, right? Getting the team to go up. Facundo is different. Facundo, he as soon as he gets the ball, he puts the team on his back when Messi well, last night when Messi wasn't there, but he goes forward, and that's what you want to see, especially in a player that is very new to the league, doesn't know the league well, is still getting accustomed to probably playing on turf. But the way he has been encountering the opposing teams, the way he's been the one-on-one, his aggressiveness, like you mentioned, playing in Comebol, that you come with that. You have to have that. To survive in South America, playing soccer, you have to have it in you. And he's been great. Now, another player that came with him at the same time, and you mentioned him earlier, was Tomas Aviles. And he's a starter right away. And um, that's the type of help, right? Young kind of experienced player coming from South America that Inter-Miami needs to improve. And those are two players that are going to stick out in the MLS. And when you have, right, you have Tomas, you have Alba next to you, giving you advice, helping you out. And Facundo, you have Messi and Busquets next to you, helping you out. What a learning experience, man. That has to be, right, rewarding for them. What a change in the last six months coming to America. And then the first players you meet is Alba, Busquets, and Messi. Yeah, pr- priceless. Like that's the old Mastercard commercials. It's just priceless. You can't you can't put a dollar value on that. That that's invaluable experience. And like I said, hopefully it keeps him around longer than he otherwise would be. Which is hard to keep a, a young, talented player in the league now with the way MLS has been exporting players to Europe. It's it's hard to keep them around longer than a year. Definitely, I, it's interesting to see how Inter Miami want to be perceived. You have a lot of clubs that act as kind of the through way for players, you know, bring in young talent and then export them for, for a profit, essentially. It's interesting to see how Miami will sort of play out over the next couple of years, whether they want to be, you know, a David Beckham Galacticos uh, project, or if he wants to be a club that is extremely profitable. You look at like an RB Salzburg in, in Europe that just always is able to develop this young talent and then send them to some of the biggest clubs in Europe. You you wonder if, if Miami wants to play that route or try to play that route or if they want to be, you know, one of the crown jewels of the MLS. Right, absolutely. And thinking, talking about young players, another player, you know, uh, we talked about Benjamin, we talked about Aviles, we talked about Facundo. Uh, David Ruiz, another young player. Uh, one great thing that Inter-Miami is doing is getting these young, good players and building them, right? Uh, David Ruiz, uh, I think he was caught up for the Honduran national team. Talented kid, talented player. He scored, I believe, his first goal within the League's Cup as well. You know, he has Messi with them. Again, Messi, Busquets, as I mentioned them a lot, but the experience and the way they are having 
to talk to these kids and showing them, giving them advice. You see Messi on the field, you see Busquets on the field pointing uh, to where to move, what to do. You hear stories about them um, helping them out in practice as well. David Ruiz is another player to keep an eye on. No doubt, no doubt. And and by way of having some of these elite players on your team, you're able to play matches that have so much more value from an experience standpoint. You know, he was able to take a penalty in a shootout in the League's Cup and, and he converted it. He was able to score in the League's Cup, like you mentioned. You know, he's able to play in at a different level of competition than you would have suggested to him two, three months ago, right? Like he would never have expected to be in, in a final, no less. You know, the, the Messi and these other players being on the team give all the players around them a platform to showcase their talents. And a lot of these guys are elevating their game to match that, you know, the, the marketing that this team is able to to acquire, right? L- the eyeballs that this team is able to acquire. It, that platform, a lot of these players are elevating their game and, and rising to the occasion. Absolutely, the rise to the occasion. And those are players that uh, the team wants to build for the future, especially. Now, we all know where Miami's at in the table. You know where Miami's at. I know where Miami's at. The casual MLS fan knows what Miami needs to do and what Miami cannot afford to do in the next few games. You do have Toronto coming up, and you mentioned them earlier. And then you visit Orlando, which is a rivalry. You cannot afford another loss unless unless other scores go your way, right? Other um, results. But one thing that I personally don't like when I'm supporting a team is depending on other teams for my club to uh, make it to the playoffs or for my club to make it to the next round. First of all, Toronto is a must win, I think, to get the confidence back right after you just received five goals. If you're messy last night, I think you would agree with me. You're watching this. You're like, I, I'm not. I'm not missing any other games there's no way there's no way he he will so by the time they play toronto he'll have had almost a two-week break from from match play there is no doubt in my mind although i said this heading into the atlanta match so take this with a grain of salt there's no doubt that he's missing the, the match against toronto he just he he can't because the team sure we may be able to get a result against toronto at home I mean, we got a result against Kansas City at home without Messi. We, you would think that we could get a result against Toronto, one of the worst teams in the league, at home. But Messi cannot miss. He needs to elevate the confidence of all these players back up. We have a, a big match against Orlando you know, in just seven days from when we're recording this, but just a, a couple days after the, the Toronto match. And then right after that, we have a U.S. Open Cup final, which is the priority right now. Because that is a hardware that is attainable right now. Like you said, we don't want to rely on other teams and we can only handle what we can handle by playing our games. We need to get everyone's confidence back up. It's the first loss in 13 matches. So let's not act like we're down in the dumps and and we can't win a game. We've been unbeaten for 12 matches heading into the last night. So let, let, let's relax. Everyone can bash us. and Everyone has been waiting. Everyone has been waiting. And bring the smoke, you know? Like, we want to be the team that people come out and, and hound after we suffer defeat, especially a 5-2. to two. You know, bring it on. But we have to, without a doubt, win Toronto. That is a mat. I mean, you cannot lose to a team that's below you in the standings when you're 14th in your conference. You Like, that's unacceptable. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and you're right. This is the moment where everyone gets to bash on, on Miami. And especially Atlanta, you see all the memes they're putting out. <laughs> they were waiting for this. Yeah, um, the pizza one, the pizza one was an instant classic, by the way. 
It, it was. It was a great one. Now, we talked about defense. We talked about the goalkeeper. We talked about um, the midfield, right, with the young players, Messi, Busquets. Striker-wise, you have Campana, you have Josef. An extension was just made to Campana, right? It was signed. He's been extended. That leaves Joseph out of Miami. What do you say? His contract's up after the season. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I, like many Miami fans, very excited when we signed Joseph Martinez. It was very low risk in a sense that it was, you know, just a very short contract. And... You know, stretch the legs out, see what he can do. Can he can he get close to the level he was at before his injury? We've found out that it's come in spurts, it comes and goes, and it hasn't really reached the level that we wanted. I am a huge Campana fan since we had him on the team. He was on loan from uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers from the Premier League, and and when we signed him, like when we when we opted opted into to buy him. I was just so happy. Cloud nine. I think he's he's a tremendous talent. He's so young. Like people were shocked that to find out that he's twenty three years old. He because he looks so much more mature for his Is age. Is it really? Yeah, he's he's super. I thought, young. I thought he was much older. <laughs> he's super young. So <laughs> he just plays a very mature game, and he's not like a prototypical speedster. He's he's just he's kind of big bodied. He plays with his head well. He's very technical with his with his feet. I, I'm so happy that we signed through 2027 with an option to extend to 2028. Like you mentioned, the, the experience he gives you in the field, the calmness as well. The goal uh, he scored last night was was just oh man, uh, again amazing. composure, like composure, like most players. I actually thought he flubbed the the chance, right? So when Arroyo hits the long shot, you can see in the replays, Campana just has his arms in the air, thinking that it was going in. So then the ball doesn't go in, and he has the 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 quick twitch reflex to get back in the play. He receives the ball on his chest, flicks it over his head because he knows that Miles Robinson is in front of him, takes another touch to control it, and then hits it outside the boot straight over Guzan's head. Like the composure to be able to do that within a two-second window is outrageous for a 23-year-old. I think he had a shot last year that he hit from about midfield that went in. Like, he he knows what he wants to do with the ball. And he's not the most technical striker. He's not the fastest striker. But he's a good combination of all those. He has good hold of play and very good ability within the box. Absolutely. I, I agree completely on that. Now, uh, almost to wrap things up here, uh, we do have a couple of questions from some of our followers here. But I do want to get your take on two things. One. Where or what do you want to see in the roster moving forward? What player do you want to see step up? Talked about defense, right? That's where we. I said we. <laughs> That's where you know, Miami needs the most. We're all, help. We're all Miami fans. You can you can admit it. <laughs> uh, That's where Miami needs the most help. But player-wise, what's who's a player that in your mind, your take, you need him to step up? I'll, I'll get to the defense, but one player I want to just single out is is Robert Taylor. Robert Taylor, Messi joins the team. Robert Taylor looks like he's going to be the partner in crime. He has some fantastic goals against Atlanta United, mind you, in the Leeds Cup. And you thought, okay, this is going to be Robert Taylor's moment. Leading up to all the new transfers, Robert Taylor was, uh, you could argue at times, one of the best players on our team. Dynamic in attack. Oftentimes needs to receive the ball in or around the box to show his, his skill. Not going to be necessarily the Facundo Farias type where he's able to receive the ball at midfield and, and drive it forward. But Robert Taylor, has he's just very hot and cold, and it's not all his 
fault per se. I think Tata's employing him completely the wrong way. He's tried him at right wing back, playing him at right wing. This guy's a left winger. That, that's it. Some some players can can move around the pitch. Robert Taylor's a left winger. He's not being played in the right position, and he's suffering tremendously for it. He's already kind of a streaky player. You need to give him the tools to succeed, and right now he's not being given those tools. Regardless, he needs to be playing better. He loses the possession too much. He's been very ineffective in attack, and I, I would love to see more from him because he's been a very good piece for Inter Miami throughout this season. And then in defense, I want to keep seeing more from, from Tomas Aviles. He's very good, but he's very raw. You see, last night I think was his first match that he did not get a yellow card. And it's not that he accumulates fouls. It's that he has one or two moments every game that he runs way out of position. And he's a very long, lanky player. And he just stretches out one of these tree trunks of a legs that he has and just trips up a defender in, in the most clumsy way. And if he can avoid doing that, I think he's very sound uh, in, in his positioning. And he's very talented as a defender on, at, at man marking. I would love to see more of him. Tata seems to trust him a lot. He threw him immediately into the starting lineup, and he's played pretty much every game from that moment. So I would love to continue to see more from him. And, you know, the rest of the pieces are kind of going to rotate. I expect Campana to be the the out-and-out striker now. No doubt he's been in tremendous form, and he just brings way more of a dynamic than Joseph Martinez at this point. But, yeah, Tomas Aviles and Robert Taylor, definitely top of my list. Perfect. Uh, I agree with you. Um, Taylor has he did in the League's Cup. He did really well. Robinson, uh, I'll stick with him. He needs to step up as well. Now, getting to two questions that we received. Um, I'm not sure if you got to see them. One of them is from uh, Dario Spain. He wants to talk about technology in MLS. So I'm assuming he means the goal by Atlanta United. I think it was the third or fourth goal where he kind of looks offside. I think you mentioned it earlier. He kind of looked offside to me as well, and I was surprised that they didn't really give many replays on it. But I think MLS VAR-wise has been decent. There's a lot of work. I mean, if there's work to do in the EPL, there's definitely going to be work to do in MLS, right? No doubt. It, it's a tough one, right? I, it's funny, that goal, when it happened, I thought there's no way he's onside. And it may have been just the camera angle, and it's a little bit different in... Uh, Atlanta matches because I think it's because it's such a big stadium that the cameras, the angles are just slightly different than your smaller MLS stadiums. But anyways, it's I struggle with saying add more VAR the, because you're always going to have people that complain about it because it's either going to take too long to do a check. It's going to be so small of a fraction that you're like ah, you're kind of destroying the game like the guy's top of his shoulder was uh, slightly offside and you're gonna call it because he was a millimeter off like ah, just let the play run it's such a fine line that the league officials need to thread that i find it very difficult to say they need to enhance the technology that's being used i have for a long time been a proponent of employing technology when it's available, and we know that the offside technology available, we know that the goal line technology is available. I had a lot of friends that are relatively new to the MLS that were shocked that the goal line technology does not exist because, you know, they're used to seeing in the World Cup or they're used to seeing Premier League matches where there is sort of, you see the 3D animation of the camera panning over where the ball was and you see the solid plane across the face of goal and it's in or it's out. You know, a lot of them were kind of shocked that that was not available last night either. 
So I don't know. It's 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 a tough one. Do I wish go, uh, the offside technology was available to call that goal offside? Of course, because then that wouldn't have been a goal. However, it's it's just it's tricky because you're always going to have people that complain that there's not enough technology or that there's too much technology that is ruining the game. So I it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I think that the technology will overall help, but I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 tough. It's tough. I don't think there's a right answer. It is a tough one. It is a very tough one. Um, He also asked this question, and he said, what are your, rank your top five Inter-Miami men, right? Um, Which is a hard one. I won't lie to you. It's very hard. But in my opinion, Cruz Azul, Messi's uh, game winner. Nashville, um, League's Cup, that was a classic. Cincinnati as well, that was a classic for me. And Orlando, the first game against Orlando with Messi. The fifth one, to be honest with you, it's going to be when Miami makes the playoffs. (laughs) And they know, and they know they have to win that game. So whenever that game comes, I choose that one as the fifth one. Yeah. So I actually saw that question. So I did prepare slightly. Full disclosure. So I would say for me, top five. And listen, I don't let let's let's just get this out of the way. I'm not like a fair weather fan that just showed up when Messi showed up. I had tickets to the very first home match against LA Galaxy down here in South Florida that was delayed and postponed for months because of COVID. And so let me just get that out of the way. So. Top five matches, and and some of the matches you mentioned will be on this list. First and and most important match was our first ever win, which was against Orlando City, who will be frequent uh, members of this list. The second one, and that first win was, I believe, in the in the 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 COVID MLS is back tournament. The next one is the first home win with a crowd, which again was against Orlando City, and that was shortly after the MLS is back. I think there was two or three matches that season that were actually played in front of uh, a crowd. Then you have, as you mentioned, Messi subbing on against Cruz Azul. First appearance for Messi in an Inter-Miami kit. Then we have the League's Cup final against Nashville. Inter-Miami's first hardware. And I'm going to kind of follow your lead and take a a future match, which is next week against uh, Houston for the U.S. Open Cup final. And that will be the second time that Inter Miami uh, raise a trophy. And then um, last question, and I'm probably going to butcher this. Traeger Durati, my apologies if I butchered it. He's saying he's asking should a PK have been called on Busquets? No, I don't think so. In my opinion, I think he was already the other player was already going down, and he kind of dove a little too soon before making complete contact with Busquets. There was contact. But he was already on his way to the floor, to the ground, sorry. Your take on it? Yeah, in real time, I actually thought it was a penalty. But then when they started showing the replays, it became apparent that it was not. The first angle that they showed from behind the player, more of like a traditional broadcast uh, angle, it seemed like Busquets was able to begin moving his foot back, which is not does not absolve him of fouling, mind you. Uh, but he was able to move it back, and you could see the attacker sort of starting to dive before contact was made and then from the other angle from the end line it seemed like the attacker dove into Busquets rather than a more natural falling animation if you want to call it right it seemed like he just dove into Busquets to try to draw the the penalty so yeah I was happy with the no call and I I stand by that yeah absolutely um and the ref was right behind it as well now Julio, I appreciate you making time there's a lot to talk about when it comes to Miami the playoff push is going to be hard teams are gonna want Messi out Let's be honest. I think there's no team that that doesn't want to ruin the party for Miami at the moment. 
and it's going to be tough for Miami. But um, with Messi on the field, Busquets and Alba at the same time, they have proven to they can beat any MLS team, right? Thank you for joining so much. I really appreciate it. If you want to let our listeners again know where they can find you at, where they can uh, message you or send you a tweet or, you know, follow your podcast. Definitely, man. I appreciate you so much for having me on. We're very, uh, we're pushing our YouTube pretty hard. So if you just want to look us up, Heron Heads on YouTube, and we're all over socials uh, at the Heron Heads. Talk a lot of smack on Twitter. So if you want to come talk smack uh, and have some banter back, last night I was I was plastering everywhere that we were winning 4-2 even without Messi. And then afterwards, I had to put up a tweet saying, uh, if you guys kept receipts, please send them back. Uh, so it's all good. A friendly banter. Happy to have interactions with everyone. And again, thank you so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, make sure you follow Julio if you want to keep up with Miami. Messi, Alba, Busquets, Reese, everyone we just talked about. A lot of great things happening over there. Till next time, you guys have a great day.